Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message from Pastor Jeremiah Hosmer. I want you to remain standing for the reading of the Word tonight if you're physically able, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and I can sense, I know how much is up here, and I know how much time I got back there, and I can sense we ain't getting through all of it. Amen. But, but, but we're going to do our best, <laughs> but I'm going to start a, a, a new series tonight. We're going to begin to bring, on, bring out on Wednesday nights, and, uh, and I'm telling you, I, those of you watching from home, I, I want you to do your best to get here on Wednesday nights. Because one of the things I have been praying for uh, early in my office, and I'm going to continue to pray for with the team here and all that good stuff, is that there would be an anointing, a special anointing on Wednesday nights here to become disciples and to make disciples. Let the church say amen. And so there's going to be a special anointing because I know that the Lord hears us when we pray. He says that if you would, Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do for you. So I have asked that on Wednesday nights, there's going to be a grace, an anointing released into your life to become a disciple and to make disciples in the name of Jesus. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 28 tonight. I'll praise the Lord. We, we just released something in here. While I'm, just telling, I'm just trying to tell you. There's something stirring right now all over this house. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Now listen to what the word of God says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In heaven... And on earth. Now I want y'all to say that with me on the count of three. I want to say in heaven and on earth. Are you ready? One, two, three. In heaven and on earth. Glory be to God. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And watch this, and here's his promise. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. He says, if you'll make disciples, I ain't going nowhere. My presence is going to be with you as you commit to this process. Hallelujah. A lot of people want the presence. But not everybody wants to make a disciple. Come on, let's go over to Acts chapter 2 real quick. And then we're going to read. This is going to tie right in to what we just read here. Acts 2 verse 42. Now, Jesus told the disciples, he said, I want you to go and teach them. Everybody say, teach them. He said, teach them to obey. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. If you want to know how to disciple somebody, there's your four points. There you go. It really isn't that hard. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking from house to house, they ate their food with a gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. So when discipleship came on the scene, God started adding to the church daily. And that's what we want. Let the house of God say amen. Because, hey, in case you don't know it, your prodigal might be the one he adds next week. 
Come on, somebody. It, it might be your family member that you've been fasting and praying for for five years might be added to the church next week. So it's time for us to really get into this thing and take it serious. Glory be to God. Because what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Glory be to God. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's uh, blessing on the word tonight and on the preaching and the reading of the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight for the word. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory. Now, Father, I ask that you would bless the preaching and the reading of your word tonight. I pray that you would quicken every heart, quicken every mind, quicken every soul, quicken every spirit, Lord, to receive at a high level tonight. I pray once again for the anointing and the grace to be a disciple and to make disciples would come on this house and Father it would be such a supernatural move of the Spirit that in the name of Jesus there would be something God that would that not just bring addition but it would bring multiplication anointing in it in the name of Jesus Father look upon my availability and not my ability tonight and I pray God that you would pour forth from me and Lord as the word goes forth heal, deliver, save, make free and baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. In the name of Jesus, I pray tonight, God. Now, we thank you that your will will be done and your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Look at three people before you're seated tonight and just tell them it's time to become a disciple. Come on, tell them. Time to become a disciple. <laughs> I'm naming this series tonight uh, discipleship in resisting cultures. Uh, I know that's kind of technical for y'all, That what I would usually name my, but I have a reason for that. Discipleship in resisting cultures. And uh, I, I want to just kind of start off with what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me in prayer earlier. Then I'm going to back it up with a testimony. And then we're going to get into what uh, somewhat of the meat of the message tonight. But I, I was praying earlier and I said, I always try to get like a con, just an overall, an over, uh, overall theme or just something what the Holy Spirit wants to say that really grabs the message and, and wraps it all together. And, uh, and this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me. I'm always careful when I say God said. If I stand up here and say God said, you know I have heard something. But, but I felt that the Holy Spirit said this right here is that he said, believers who see no need for discipleship and are bored in their walk with Christ is because they think they have it all figured out. I'm going to say that again because nobody in here would actually admit in front of other people that they are bored with their walk with Christ. But there's, a, there's probably a few in here tonight that's bored. It's just being real. There's probably a few in here that see, man, I have really no need for discipleship. But the reason is, it's because we think we have it all figured out. I have learned everything there is to know about God, His Word, in his moving. Therefore, what more can I learn? Let the church say amen. Now, uh, most of you know Dr. Mark Rutland, or you've heard of Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Mark Rutland, when he's telling his testimony about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, how he was a, how he was a Methodist minister, and for seven years, everybody say seven years, for seven years, not one person came to the Lord. For seven years, he never gave an altar call. For seven years, he, he stood up and preached dry, dead sermons to dry, dead people in a dry, dead church. That's what happens when you don't have the Holy Ghost, by the way. We'll talk more about that Sunday. Amen. And he's, and, but he said, he said, so I got baptized with the Holy Spirit and he said, so I told, I stood up that Sunday morning. I wasn't preaching, but I told him, I said, listen, uh, I, I told him I've been living a bad life. I've been doing all this crazy stuff, but something happened to me yesterday and, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. And if you want to learn what I've been doing and you want to learn the change that has happened to me, come back tonight and I'm going to tell you all about it. 
He said they came back on Sunday night and the place was packed to the brim. Everybody wanted to hear the preacher's bad news. Amen. They wanted to hear the preacher's dirty laundry. And he said he stood up and he began to tell them how he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he said, if you want this uh, baptism, I want you to come down. Now I'm going into discipleship. Stay with me. He said to his surprise, people packed the altar. Hundreds of Methodist people were at the altar weeping before God, but here it is. He said, he said, but it, it dawned on me. I didn't have a clue what to do. I had told these people to come to an altar to get the Holy Ghost and didn't know what to do. He said, so I looked over there and there was this man in a plaid shirt. He said he was about halfway back in the congregation sitting there, an elderly man. And he said, he said he was a, he was one of these people that tried to get me to go to the full gospel businessmen meetings. And he said, I tried to run this man off for years and he wouldn't go anywhere. And he said, so I got down from the, from the pulpit and walked back to that man and tapped him on the shoulder. And that man was praying. He said, you don't know what to do, do you preacher? He said, I ain't got a clue. He said, meet me back in the fellowship hall. And he said, he, he said that man uh, met me back in the fellowship hall. We lined all those Methodist people up. And that man walked right beside me the whole time. And he would lay, actually lay my hands on people and then tell me what to pray and tell me how to cast out demons and tell me how to pray for people with the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He said, Pastor, what are you talking about? He had all the power, but he didn't have no discipleship. He didn't even know what to do with the power that he already had. Can we talk about the Pentecostal church for a moment? Got a lot of power and don't know what to do with it. Because we have not given ourselves to a discipleship problem. I'm talking to you out there, Facebook land. We have not given ourselves to a process to learn how to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. And I'm starting this series tonight because, watch this, this church and the church as a whole is in desperate need. My God. Desperate need for discipleship. Man, we have some good services, don't we? Man, Sunday morning, we was having to put chairs out in the back. We had people getting saved and people getting transformed. We got some good services, but I can't disciple you in two hours on a Sunday morning. There has to be, listen to me out there watching, there has to be something going deeper into your life so that when the storms come and when the waves begin to rage and when hell begins to shout, something causes your roots to go down deeper and you say, I will not be moved. Hallelujah. I, I, I gave this series this name because it is obvious that cultures Watch this, that the cultures uh, we are faced with every day or the culture that we are faced with every day in the world opposes, watch this, becoming disciples and making disciples. If you look at the world that we live in right now, everything it communicates is resistant to biblical discipleship. Oh, stay with me out there now. Matter of fact, it is telling you right now, go home, don't come out, don't you dare be around anybody else. Go close you and your family up in your house. Focus completely on you and yours and everyone else do the same and we'll be okay. What happened to the command? Go ye into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Now, that would be fine. Listen, this remedy would be fine if this earth was your home. It would be okay if this was your home, church. But this earth is not your home. There's a day when we will all, including me, stand before God and we will give an account on what we did on this earth while we were here. And as we close ourselves off and neglect the command of Christ, people are dying and going straight to hell right now. That's what's happening. My Lord, but the world is not the only place resistant to 
a resistant culture to discipleship. They're a resistance within the church as well. Can we talk? It's going to get better. Y'all stay with me right now, okay? By the way, this is not a new problem to the church. It, it, it has been something that the church has struggled with for years now. The church as a whole. There, there are many different reasons and excuses of why the church doesn't, make, doesn't disciple and why we don't make disciples and why we won't commit to discipleship. But this is what I want to say to every one of them. None of them are valid and all of them are unacceptable according to the Bible. None of them are valid. None. And they are unacceptable. Let me talk to Facebook land. Y'all give me some amens out there, Facebook land now. They're unacceptable to the Bible. I didn't say they're unacceptable to the government. I didn't say they're unacceptable to your opinion. They're unacceptable to the Bible. Do y'all know where there's two judgments? I know a lot of church ain't teaching this anymore. There's a judgment that happens between, that happens for those who have not given their lives to Christ. They will stand before God and they will be, the Bible says they will be damned to an eternity of hell. Then there's another judgment that all the people that have given their lives to Jesus are going to stand before Jesus. And you will give an account and I will give an account for my talents for what God put inside of me and for what he told me to do. And I will answer for that. And you will answer for that. And if Jesus didn't accept, uh, here I am again. I'm going to get off of it in a minute now. Just stay with me. But if Jesus didn't accept the disciples not discipling because their heads were going to be cut off, he's not going to accept you not discipling because your virus might come your way. I'm just going to say it for everybody to hear it. And let me just say this. If you, if you are going to stay at home, I'm talking to those of you at home. If you are going to stay at home, then that's fine. But are you discipling people on a daily basis? Are you picking up the phone and asking people, can I pray with you? Are you picking up the phone and asking people, hey, what did you read in the Bible today? This is what I read. This is what God is saying to me. What is he saying to you? Have you prayed? Have you sought the Lord? Are you discipling somebody or have you just closed yourself off and and completely neglected the command of Christ? This ain't going to be no popular message tonight, is it? Uh, Obviously, this year, 2020 has been a dumpster fire and a flood. It is a dumpster fire floating in a flood. Amen. It seems like... Every time we turn around, there's something else attacking the church and trying to make it of no effect. These attacks are doing their best to limit the impact the church uh, has in the world and neutralize its members so that it does not carry out the commission and the command of Jesus Christ. There it is. Think Think about it. No one is saying you can't believe in Jesus right now. However, the principalities of the air are influencing the municipalities of the land to handicap the church so it does not carry out the command of Christ. The amazing thing is, watch this, is that half of the church is falling for this demonic distraction. How many of you are aware of George Barna? You know what George Barna, lift your hand. George Barna, it does, they do a lot of... Um, polling in church. They do polls in denominations. They do polls throughout Christians. And some of them seem a little skewed. I got to be honest. I'm just going to, you know, like 75% of America is saved. They ain't saved. No, 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 no. But I do believe this one, the latest poll of uh, a Barna poll, this is what they stated. I told a couple in the green room earlier, this is what they stated, that one-third of the church that was faithfully attending church eight months to a year ago 
one third, 33.3333333333, whatever. One third of the church is not attending a church online or in, or in the sanctuary. 33% of the church has completely went off the grid. Do you still think it's about your health? When one third of the church has completely just, where are they at? Nobody knows. They're not watching online. They're not coming. Where are they at? Selah. Two thirds of the church, two thirds that were faithfully attending a house of worship before COVID-19, two thirds are no longer attending in a physical service. The command to make disciples hasn't went anywhere. Do you think that Jesus said, okay, it's COVID time, don't make disciples? The command is still here, church. Oh, glory. Let's give the Lord a praise. Amen. Come on, Facebook land, give the Lord a praise. I want to hear you clap out there and put it on the chat line, the little clappy hands. Hallelujah. Pastor Andy and I were talking the other day and he said something that got me to thinking. Uh, listen, I'm going to go into what we're, where we need to be in just a moment. He said, if the church as a whole was involved in, the disciple, in discipleship and were making disciples like it should, the church would not have even flinched when COVID-19 hit. And I told him the church didn't flinch. It convulsed. And half of it is still convulsing. It is on the floor. Convulsing. Do you realize almost half of the churches of the nation have not opened up yet? Do you still think it's about your health? I know this ain't popular. Hey, the governor of California showed, it what, showed you what it was really about, didn't he? Them demons manifested. He said the church can't sing. The church can't preach. The church can't meet in a building. And he even banned the small groups. If you don't think this is coming to a land near you, you better wake up. It is time for the church to get serious about what we are here to do because Jesus is coming back soon and we're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You stood when nobody else would stand. You praised when nobody else would praise. You turned around and preached what nobody else would say. Enter in to the fullness of the Lord. Glory. There are many different reasons for this lack of discipleship, but one of them I want to handle tonight in this first message. And, you know, sometimes it's tough to preach to a Wednesday night crowd because a lot of you are to, you know, y'all doing, y'all doing it. Amen. But, but, but it's got to be said and I'm the one to say it. I want to handle this first thing tonight and, and that is, I want to talk about the characteristics of a biblical disciple. How do we identify a biblical disciple? How do we reach for something that we don't even know what it is? Think about that. How do you, how, how do you get to a place that you don't even know what you're looking for? How do you find a spot that you don't even know exists? So we're going to talk about tonight uh, these characteristics that, that identify a biblical, I'm talking about a biblical disciple. Number one, a discipler, watch this, a disciple is a follower of Christ. A disciple is a follower of Christ. Listen to what John 12, 26 says. He says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. 
and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Matthew 10 says this. He who loves the, loves, loves the father or, or he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now that is, if, in my opinion, that is discipleship 101 wrapped up in that last sentence. That when you are completely focused on you and yours, what you'll find out is you'll end up losing that which you desire for. But when you completely focus on Jesus and his, you end up finding what you're looking for because it is found in him and him alone. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I love what Pastor, we was, I was talking to Pastor Antoine and Ferry yesterday and we was in, 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 in the uh, conference room talking about discipleship and, and some of the new things that we're going to be introducing. And I love, I wanted to brag on you a little bit, Pastor Antoine, I love your view and I love Farrah's view on what, what you were saying because we was talking about this person could teach this class and, and that person could maybe do this class. And he said, well, I would like to get this person and bring them into that class. He said, they might not be as educated and mature as this person, but while they're teaching the class, we can raise them up and it'll cause them to climb to a higher level. And that is discipleship right there. Discipleship is saying, I'm going to put you in an environment. I'm going to put you in an area. I'm going to put you in a moment that causes you to reach deeper and causes you to climb higher. And now you've got to study the word because you're showing up on a day that everybody else has done studied the word. It's talking about raising people up. Hallelujah. Glory. I'm so glad somebody raised me up. You know, when we don't want to disciple people, I'm talking to you out there watching, when we don't want to disciple people, we forget that somebody invested in us, that somebody walked us through our junk, that somebody walked us through our cigarette smoking and our tobacco chewing and our alcohol drinking and our slipping around from time to time and walked us through that mess till we can get out on the other side. And why not walk somebody else through that mess? Why not pass it down to somebody? Hallelujah. Why not do it? Glory be to God. Why not help somebody else through their stuff? Glory be to God. When we, when we decide not to do that, we forget that we didn't get here on our own. Nobody got where you are on your own. Somebody helped you. Somebody said, I know I don't want to, I don't want Jeremy and Lisa over here on this Friday night. I'm sick of hearing about this stuff. But it's not about me. It's about Jesus and the call that's on them. So I'm going to take my Friday night. I'm going to make something to eat. I'm going to invite them over and I'm going to help them through their mess until they can stand on their own two feet. This is what I'm talking about right here. Where are you involved in this? Well, pastor, ain't nobody giving me a title. Don't nobody need a title. He, <laughs> he didn't give the disciples no title. He gave them a command and said, here's the Holy Ghost. Now go do it. Glory be to God. Now here's the Holy Ghost. Go do it. Everything you need. Here. Here he is. Go do it. Glory be to God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I want to get this, this second one out and then we'll, we'll, we'll end Lord willing tonight. Number two. A disciple is a learner of Christ. So we have a follower of Christ. Now we have a learner of Christ. 
So, it, it, sometimes I get amazed that when people get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden they toss their brains out the window. I'm like, wow. Why'd you get saved and get stupid? There's no need in that. If anything, <laughs> if anything, the Holy Ghost ought to be helping you get smarter. Amen. I don't know about you. When I got saved and, and when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, it, man, he made me look real good. Before then, I was an idiot. Now I can hang out with executives and company owners and pastors of huge organizations and sit right there and, 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 and do whatever I need to do with them. I didn't just throw my brains out the window, though. Why? You got to be a learner. And that means you got to apply yourself to the scriptures and to the way of Christ. Listen to what Matthew 11 says. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew 28, 20. And teaching them, teaching them and teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. You can't teach and exemplify what you have not received. You can't receive what you have not placed yourself under. The disciples were able to teach the commands of Christ because they have learned, they had learned the commands of Christ. They had been discipled by him for three and a half years. They knew what was acceptable and what was not acceptable. They knew what he would do when the religious party attacked them for doing what they needed to do for Christ. They knew what he would do when the sick came to him and needed to be healed. They knew what he would do when offense and hurt tried to sneak in and take over. They knew what he would do when the demons would manifest in people. And they knew these things because they learned from him in a discipleship process. My God in heaven. You know, at least I'm not asking you to come and live with me for three and a half years. And have you work. Oh, glory be to God. They had to be with Jesus when he was upset with the Pharisees and ran him out of the temple. They had to be with him, be with him. And when, when he looked at one of them and said, get behind me, Satan, called him the devil. They had to be with him when, 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 he, when he rebuked them, listen, for their lack of faith. They didn't go nowhere. They had to be with him when he rebuked them because they were constantly fighting over who would be first. That's my position. No, no, that's my position. Learning from Jesus was not easy, but it was, it was what it takes to be a disciple. Why have we stopped learning? Why have we stopped putting ourselves in a position to learn? Let me tell you something. When, when, my, when I was uh, coming up and, and, and I, had, I was not a pastor, but anytime I could get around somebody that could pour into my life, my God, I was like a little puppy on a string. Folk talking about he did brown nose, and I ain't brown nose, I'm learning. I am learning. I know somebody knows a little more than what I know. They know how to do it a little better than I know how to do it. They know how to make it happen, and I'm going to learn how to make it happen because I don't know everything, and I'm going to sit here and get what I need to get and let the Holy Ghost bless me in the middle of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Learning. So that might mean, that might, listen, that might, mean you being a part of a group 
That might mean that, that you're a part uh, or you're, you're, you're being around somebody that is helping you, uh, uh, discipling you. That, that might mean that you've got to put up with people sometimes when their attitudes are wrong or when they tell you stuff that you don't want to hear. Do you think the disciples wanted to hear Jesus? Y'all, y'all don't know. Y'all, y'all have no faith. Do you think they wanted to hear him rebuke them, rebuke them for their lack of faith? Of course they didn't want to hear that. But Jesus said, it ain't about you. I'm going away in three and a half years and I'm leaving you here and you're going to be over the church and you've got to know what you're doing. This is real. This is serious business. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you one more. Praise God. I'm going to go over just a little bit. But y'all stay with me. Number three, because I feel the Holy Ghost saying, get this out. Number three, a disciple is a worker of Christ. A worker on the count of three, let's all say it together, class. One, two, three, worker. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, John 9, 4 says, while it was daytime, uh, while, while it is daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. John 14, 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also and greater works <laughs> than these he will do because I go to my father. The work of the ministry is a twofold work. It both, re- it both requ- it requires obedience and the anointing of the Spirit. Without obedience, you'll have no anointing. That's it. And where there is no anointing, there is no power of the Spirit, and your work for the ministry will be fruitless. It really doesn't matter how hard you work. Doesn't matter how many hours you put in, how educated you are, or how many resources you have to access or you have access to without the anointing and the power of the Spirit. The work of the ministry is burdensome, heavy, and fruitless. In today's time, there are a lot of people who are who are willing to do uh well, let me just say it like this. In today's time, there are a lot of people who are not willing to do the work of the ministry no more. Here, pastor, here's my tithe. Here's my offering. I'll come twice a month. Holla at you. What about the work of the ministry? I don't know if we got Facebook. I don't know if anybody's left out there, but what about the work of the ministry? There's a work to be done. True disciples are willing to do the work of the ministry regardless of how hard or how draining it may be. Remember, you ain't here forever. You're not here forever. Many people think they, they watch this, they, they, had, they would like, to, well, you know, I've thought this before and I'll just tell them myself, man, I'd love to be in one of Jesus' 12 disciples. I'd love to do that. I'd love to been there to see all that. But can, but can I tell you, 90% of us would not have made it two days. It was, it was hard work. It was, it was rewarding work, but it was hard work. Think about this. The first thing Jesus does when he gets up is that he goes into prayer and communion with the Father, right? Now, when he gets back, he's expecting somebody to have breakfast made. I know y'all don't think about Jesus like this, but you know he had to eat. Somebody had to have breakfast made. So the disciples are up. Jesus out there, he's just out there praying, and I got to get up every morning and make this man breakfast. Watch this. Somebody had to wash the dishes. And somebody had to turn around and make sure provisions were ready for lunch and supper. 
Well, do you think the disciples just walked around in a glory cloud with him? It was work. He didn't have them just hanging around doing nothing. Then he gets with his executive staff, Peter, James, and John, and they discuss the next cities that they're ministering in and where they're going to stay and where they're going to wash their clothes and the route that they're going to travel and how are they going to get all this there and how they're going to do this and when they're going to do this. Then they get to the city and ministry is constantly happen, happening. And he tells his disciples, he said, hey guys, the crowds are so big that you need to keep them under control. Here's 12 men and 10,000 people. And they're doing crowd control. They've made breakfast, washed dishes, traveled five miles on foot. Now they're doing crowd control. Now you got people yelling at the disciples. Jesus ain't got to hear this. Jesus is over there working a miracle and people are threatening to beat the disciples up because they can't get to him. I'm going to break it down for you right here because people think there ain't no work in the ministry no more. The devil is a liar. There's a work to be done for the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Glory be to God. And then there was those times where the disciples got so busy with the duties uh, that, that they, you know how sometimes we can get so busy with duties, we just jump on autopilot. And as soon as they get on autopilot, you know what Jesus turns around and does? Rebukes them. Rebukes them because they wanted to send a hungry crowd away. Then he says, he says, what do you have? Then he works a miracle. And now they have to distribute the food. To thousands of people. There's 12. And just when they think it's time to rest, he says, get the baskets and go pick up all the fragments. I mean, can you imagine what's going on in their heads? And they pick up all the baskets and he says, now go get in that boat and go to the other side. I'll see y'all later. Getting on a stinking boat, I'll tell you right now. He didn't even. We doing all the work. What's he doing? Come on, this is real. The work of the ministry. Now watch this. Then they start traveling to the next place of ministry. A storm blows up. He shows up and quiets the storm, gets in the boat, and then rebukes them for their lack of faith. I promise you 90% of people would not make it in Jesus' ministry. We got folk won't come back because I said something about COVID. You wouldn't make it around Jesus. I know you think he's just some feminine whatever, but you wouldn't make it around Jesus in his ministry. He's going to put you to work. This is work, but let me tell you, it was rewarding work. Ah, oh, it wasn't in vain. Not only that, but because they stuck it out and put their hands to the plow, these are guys who he entrusts with the birth of the first church. These are guys that you read about working miracles that are so mighty that their shadows are healing people. These are guys that were, they, they were with him when he was transfigured up on a mountain and they got to see Moses and they got to see Elijah and they heard the audible voice of the Father before their eyes. These were guys that that watched him ascend into heaven. These were guys that watched a person that had been dead for at least four days. And Jesus said, come out of the grave. And he came out in his grave clothes. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm telling you that you'll never walk in a great anointing without putting your hands to a great work. That's it. 
You see somebody walking in a great anointing. You see somebody walking and being used powerfully by God. I promise you there was some time in their life where they were doing a great work. A hard work. There was times when they didn't, they wondered if they were going to have to do everything by themselves. Glory be to God. Disciples do the work of Christ. The work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We'll finish the rest later on, Lord willing. But this is what it requires. You know, sometimes, you, sometimes we just come under this crazy thinking that people just snap their fingers and all of a sudden got where they were, where they are. And some of us used to be heavily involved, and I'm talking to you out there watching too, heavily involved, heavily involved in the work of the ministry. And now you can't be found. You need to understand this. Church, understand. I say this with love. I ain't angry at nobody. You're going to give an account. Now your blood is not on my hands. You will give an account. Jesus said, I, he, Jesus gave the parable in two different times of the man with talents. Each time the one who went and grabbed his talent and buried it, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. He didn't want to hear no excuse. Why? It was not acceptable. Now, I don't know if there's any other sermon like this going out tonight, but anyway. But this is the real deal, church. And man, when you get before Jesus and I get before Jesus and, and, and if we don't go by death, we go by rapture, you know, we'll probably be up there around the same time. And man, I, I, don't want, I don't want you falling down and not having nothing to offer. Nothing to offer because you went and hid your talent. And I'm just telling you, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and the King of Glory, Jesus Christ, is not gonna accept I was busy. not. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not mad. I promise you I ain't angry or nothing out there. I promise you that. I'm just putting it to you so your blood ain't on my hands no more. Just because some things have happened on the outside of these walls don't mean that, that the command of Christ has changed. Somebody has to pick up the command of Christ. Well, Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. Listen, I, I know that life has a lot of stuff, man. I know we go through a bunch of junk. We go through times of testing. We go through times of tribulation. We go through times that are hard. We go through times where we don't even know if we're going to make it through them from time to time. But can I tell you, Jesus already knew that before he gave you the command to go and make disciples. He already knew it. He knew this. You don't think the disciples had it hard? There's such a famine in Jerusalem that the Apostle Paul has to go throughout all the churches that are not in Jerusalem to try to get an offering together to bring back to Jerusalem so the church could make it. You don't think there was sickness and dying? My God, they watched Stephen, one of their, one of their deacons, get stoned to death. And what did they do? Let's take this gospel somewhere. Philip says, I'm going to Samaria. Ain't nobody preached there. Hallelujah. This is what I'm talking about, church. Yes, we have resisting cultures to discipleship. I promise you there's everything fighting against it, but it has not negated the command of Christ. Need to understand that you will not be judged by what you've done, you'll be judged by what you were called to do. There it is. There it is. This is serious. 
Pastor, you don't understand. I, I got hurt. I, I got offended. I got this or, or, or you know, or I was overlooked. And Jesus is saying, okay, let's get you through it. But you still have the command. The command ain't went anywhere. My God, let's disciple somebody. Let's make disciples. Pastor, I don't know a lot. We'll help you. Hallelujah. You know Jesus, don't you? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand and we're about to pray. Thank you for those of you watching. Hallelujah. Thank you for watching tonight. I know this probably seems like a heavy word, but I pray it hits heavier than what I gave it. I pray it hits heavier than I gave it. My God, I'm trying to tell you, the enemy is trying to neutralize the church of Jesus Christ in this land. What are we gonna do about it? I tell you what we're gonna do about it, we're gonna go make disciples of all nations. I tell you what we're gonna do about it, we're gonna turn around and get people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I tell you what we're gonna do about it, we're gonna raise up apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I tell you what we're gonna do about it, we're gonna watch God restore marriages and restore homes and then they can be involved in restoring other marriages and restoring other homes. I tell you what we're gonna do about it. We're going to be disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. Some people go called to go overseas, and some people are called to go across the street. Rich, whichever one you're called to do, do it. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I I, I spoke what you put on my heart tonight, and uh, Lord, I I pray. I, re- I pray, God, that there would be such a stirring in the people under the sound of my voice and the people that didn't listen tonight, the people that didn't watch tonight, the people who weren't able to make it. Spirit of God, stir them. Stir them to want to do something. Do the work of the ministry somehow. In the name of Jesus. Lord, those who are at home, quarantine, God. Lord, let them get so full of the Holy Ghost that they start being social media evangelists and and they start calling people and praying for them and and they start discipling people in whatever way they can possibly do it. But God, I pray, let them not sit idle and stagnant. Let us go forward in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now tonight... We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content... And to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com.